0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Maximum Gain Podcast. It's good to be back doing another recording. My previous episode was an announcement episode, a big announcement, which was, in case you didn't uh, hear it, the announcement was that I'm starting a new podcast. Yes, a new podcast. It's called Musically Speaking with Aria. It's a Spotify exclusive. I had to plug that right now because I'll forget later. And I have a lot of stuff to talk about uh, during this episode, especially this episode, which is actually a a very special episode to me, at least. So, Musically Speaking with Aria, if you need any updates on schedules and when the first episode will be out on on Spotify, Spotify, sorry, Spotify, check out my Instagram account which is Aria guy that's double A R Y A underscore G U Y Aria underscore guy I know I've said that I've said that like a thousand times but as each episode go by I'm noticing I'm getting more and more listeners and from different countries so I need to deliver this information for those who don't already know so as I said um, this episode is a very special one and I It's not a since 99. I was supposed to put up a since 99 episode today, but I had an opportunity to do something this week. And I I don't think uh, me nor my guest or rather co-speaker of the episode in the episode will have time next week to do it. So today was the only day. So I thought I'd bring him here. He is on vacation as I am also, as I said, in my farmhouse. And you know what? Let's just uh, let's just start start off. I'll just introduce him. So, he is not an Academy Award winning actor, director, producer. He is not a goal. Okay, this is mean. I'm just realizing it's very mean. <laughs> okay, he's my 13-year-old cousin <laughs> who goes by the name Reagan. Sorry, Rehan. Philip. Rehan, want to say hi?
1: Yes, hi, hi. I'm not a, an award winner or an Emmy winner, but hi, Yeah,
0: yeah. I wanted to bring him on I wanted to bring him on uh, because we talk about film a lot. Whenever we meet we talk about a bunch of things which is like from TV to film to to film criticism, which is something that always comes up because his taste in movies and TV shows is actually quite different from mine. And I feel like it would have been it would be an interesting thing to tackle our differences. While recording, so I got him on an episode, a special episode of Maximum Gain Podcast, where we're going to be talking about critics' opinions and whether they are really necessary before watching a film or TV show. Now, I know that's a long sentence. Basically, we're going to be talking about film criticism and whether or not it is important to have that at all. For, well, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to speak about it in a broad sense. Uh, also. But for today, we're just going to be speaking about films, anything, you know, film, television, anything recorded, even music for that matter. Reviews come out first. And there's a, there's a whole such thing as a review embargo, which means critics can see a film, but they can only release their reviews and opinions about it after a certain date, which the studio allows, you know, and, and it's all it's all a huge marketing thing also to be able to you know, push out good reviews just at this right moment for people to get enticed. So, honestly, this whole business of reviewing things is quite huge. But whether or not it is necessary, whether or not it'll survive, let's talk about that. Alright, Ryan, you ready to begin? Yeah. So, uh, okay, we, we were talking earlier about uh, whether we should follow film critics at all. So, I have my own opinions on it, but what do you feel about film critics? Uh, I typically
1: don't think they're very necessary, uh, because usually, when you're watching a movie, just for example, um, and you just don't check the review, and you actually end up enjoying it, then you go ahead and check the reviews, and it's not that good, below average, and uh, all your favorite critics also, if you watch them or don't watch them, yeah. Um, they also don't enjoy it very much and they think badly of it. Uh, It kind of ruins the whole thing and if you had just by chance watched the critics review before watching the show or movie uh, it would have definitely ruined uh, your experience watching the movie or you would have decided not watching the movie also in the end.
0: That's a really, really good point. And I, I agree with you for the most part there because like, okay, you, so Rehan, you know that I am a huge follower of uh, one particular film critic on YouTube. Yes. Do you want to say his name? Chris Stuckman. Chris Stuckman. Yeah. So I have been following these YouTube. Now, if you think about it, most moviegoers, they don't go and read reviews. They want to see videos about it or nowadays there are podcast review channels as well. But in particular, YouTube, uh, really became the place, the center, of film review attention. So you had channels like Chris Tuckman, Jeremy Johns. Uh, c- can you name a few others? The film review channels. You can't. No, not really. Not really. Uh, okay. Uh, is Screenrant a film review thing? Uh, not really. No. But, but I, they do a multitude of things. They do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no. No. They're not them. Okay. So um. John Flickinger, Flickpick, he's another one who's actually a friend of Chris Tuckman's There are many of these uh channels that have come up over the past decade and really thrived on YouTube reviewing movies and Chris Tuckman w- is one that really stands out in my opinion as the best because he breaks down everything about movies. Now, so so the re- so just uh, getting back to the reason why I actually follow film critics and all is because mainly because of Chris Tuckman. He actually breaks down... A lot of practical things about a movie... Instead of just giving some lame quote. Like for example like... Uh, okay, Diane, do you follow Rotten Tomatoes? I mean, do you like check Rotten Tomatoes ratings? Yes, I do. You do? Yes. Yeah, so the thing is... one One thing that bugs me personally about Rotten Tomatoes ratings is... Okay, forget about the rating. They have a critical consensus box... Where they write something a quick brief description about the movie and they kind of tell you, it kind of tells you whether it's a good movie or not. And there are definitely many times that I found that they've written something descriptive, something that can actually accurately tell you what's wrong with the movie and why why they have given it such a low score, like something that has 35%. I hope most of you know what I'm talking about, Rotten Tomatoes, which is a review aggregator, film review aggregator. So sometimes you know a film comes out and it's thirty five percent or thirty percent. I know most of the movies that you watch, Rehan, are below thirty. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, so those types of movies, they give a, many times they've given very bad consensuses uh, as to why exactly those reviews reviewers felt that it was a bad movie. So they compile something like a hundred reviews and they bring all of those reviews down to a couple of lines which they put uh, on the at the top of the page, which is the critical consensus. Now, for example, there was this movie, I don't know if you've heard of this movie. Um, damn, okay, uh, it was a John Travolta movie about a mob boss. I, damn, I forgot his name. Um, he's John Gotti, okay. It was a film called Gotti. It's about real life uh what do you say gangster okay he was the guy who kind of inspired uh you know the sopranos, yes, yeah, so he was actually oh. kind of the inspiration for certain characters, the sopranos, and so John Travolta wanted to make a movie so badly, and his track record isn't very good, so when he released Gotti, naturally, it has a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a zero Oof. based on over seventy reviews. It's rare when that happens. Yeah, okay, yeah. seventy or sixty reviews, something like that, and it has a consensus. And this is my issue with Rotten Tomatoes. You know what the consensus? Is? You know what was written there? No. Forget about it.
1: Just forget about it.
0: Yeah, and it was written with that, like you know, Italian stereotypical Italians. They say forget about it. If you've you've heard, you must have heard in some movies, forget about it. That's the stereotypical American Italian way of saying it's sorry, Italian American way of saying forget about it. It's like forget about it. Let's go. Kind of thing. Okay. So they wrote F U H G E B O U T I <laughs> T. One word. So it's like forget about it. You know, it's like a you know okay like that. Yeah, like that. And that's it. That's it. They didn't write anything else. And and fine, I get it. Like it's a it's a bad movie. Kindly tell us a little more be a little more descriptive, like say, you know, because of terrible performances, misguided direction, and a script that is very, very boring. All of this lends to a film that has no substance whatsoever. Something like that, you know, describing all the issues with it. And many times they don't really do that. And even if you look at the reviews below, the individual reviews, I don't know if you've looked at them, they actually take One or two lines, many times out of context of a much larger review a person has made. So, okay, you know, like there are many uh, critics that post their reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, right? Yes. So, for example, one person wrote like something long, okay, about uh, one movie. I think it was uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. Oh, sorry, sorry. I I have the perfect example. I have the perfect example. Chris Stuckman, okay? And he even addressed this in one of his videos. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Chris actually gave initially when he reviewed Glass in one of his videos on his channel, he didn't give it a rating. He just put a question mark there and he said, I need to see this one more time because I am very conflicted by this film. I think it's great, but it's also really misguided. But I'm not giving a review now. I'm going to see it again and then I'm going to give a review. But he is actually a Rotten Tomatoes certified critic. So he wrote a review and he told them to publish it. But he said like, don't give my rating yet, because I am not decided about it. But you can take, you can take this line. He said, like you can take this line from my review and you can use it. They purposely kind of changed his words. Apparently, like they took a different, uh, what do you say? They took a different sample of some piece that he had written about glass, and they had given a rating and they made it rotten. You know, like Rotten Tomatoes has a uh, rotten ratings and a fresh rating. Yeah. They automatically gave it rotten. And this was when he instructed them not to. Like, he hadn't made up his mind yet. And, you know, then finally when he did a spoiler review of Glass, where he saw it a second time, and then he said, like, I actually like this movie. I'm giving it a B. He gave it a B. And then he said, I'm really angry. You can see the video. It's Chris Tuckman's Glass spoiler review, where he says, I'm really annoyed by Rotten Tomatoes because they have just taken my review and piled it upon a bunch of other negative reviews for Glass, even though I really appreciate the film now. I I don't know. What do you have to say about that? Maybe like... So Rotten Tomatoes, sometimes they do that. Uh, do you at all pay attention to Rotten Tomatoes? No, not really. Not you,
1: typically. But yeah, sometimes I do check it out.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Is there anything uh in particular about Rotten Tomatoes that maybe you think some critics are too harsh on something? or Definitely. Is there any type of movie or any movie in particular that you can give as an example?
1: Well, uh, not a particular type of movie, but a type of genre. Many people don't like it, but it's the spoof genre, the parody type. Yeah. Uh, for examples, like epic movie. Okay, maybe that one was bad, <laughs> but uh, scary movie. Uh, one to four. Uh, Meet the Spartans. Okay. Some others. Um. And I think they're rather treated very harshly on. So, yeah, I don't agree with many of them. Um, mm. Because most of them, they aren't meant to be taken so seriously. But people tend to uh, hit badly on it.
0: Ha. Huh. So, okay, you're talking about pa- parody films in Parody particular. films, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, I, I see your point. Uh but this is the issue with par- parody movies in particular, I, at least I personally feel, is that they, they have definitely come down in quality. Yes. Right? I mean, like, especially this past decade. Uh, can you name some others? Like, you you mentioned about the Spartans. Yeah. See, the problem with parody movies today also, right, is that they don't have a kind of linear narrative where there's a clear-cut story behind the thing. Like, for example, even though I, I actually don't like the Spartans that much... It stays with like that Spartan world. It stays with the 300 world, right? Leonidas and his 300 men and whatnot. 300 or 299. He might be (laughs) the 300th. He might be the 300th. But so they kept that as the main focus. And even at the end, they battled Xerxes who, yeah, they made this fat slob of a guy. (laughs) Uh, But there is a story to it. There was a beginning, there was a middle, there was an end. But what brought it down was their constant references to other crappy movies, right? So they brought in some American Idol joke. They brought in some, you know, some things that are only relevant to the year it was made, 2008. Unfortunately. Transformers, you know, now also Transformers. And uh, Spider-Man 3. (laughs) Not the others, but Spider-Man 3. So, because it was made in 2008. So all these movies, all these references are from that time. So I felt many movies tried to do what Meet the Spartans did by having a linear narrative but adding different other cultural references. But they did a bad job at it. In particular, Disaster Movie. Okay, I can agree on that. agree on that? Yes. Okay. So, I feel... Yeah, I, I agree with you definitely with parody movies uh, as a whole being constantly harshly criticized. But I also see why critics may be kind of tired of it because even though it's wrong to just bash all of them at once because... Uh, okay, I don't know if you've seen too many uh, Mel Brooks movies. He started this whole thing to to parody other movies.
1: I've seen a few. You've seen a few? Uh, like Robin Hood, Men
0: in Tights. Robin Hood, Men in I've Tights. That, that that's a great one. Yes. I feel that's one of the best... Personally, I feel that's one of the best parody films ever made. And it was parodying the 1930-something Robin Hood. And No, sorry, not 1930-something. It was parodying the... Uh, Kevin Costner. Do you remember the Kevin Costner one? No. So, okay. So there was a terrible Robin Hood movie made in 1990 where Kevin Costner was supposed to be British, I think. But he stayed British for 10 minutes of the movie (laughs) gave up and then kept his own accent. And then you have a Morgan Freeman who is playing Morgan Freeman because he's supposed to be some other totally different character with a particular accent but he is Morgan Freeman. (laughs) Or even if he puts on an accent, he still occasionally goes back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there was one actor in particular in that movie that did a good job. And that was Alan Rickman. He played the sheriff of Nottingham. He was great. He was the villain in the movie. But Mel Brooks then takes all that. And he kept, so Mel Brooks kept it like a parody of only that movie. He didn't make references to other movies or he didn't try to parody like 15. That's one thing that Mel Brooks never did. He would choose that one movie and he'd be like, okay, fine, I'm going to choose a Robin Hood, but I'm going to like make fun of the fact that Kevin, they got Kevin Costner, who's an American and they just kept him in there, even though he sucked. I'm actually going to get an Englishman, a Britisher, and I'm going to make fun of the fact that we're a parody film, but we're getting the right things done. And uh, instead of Sheriff of Nottingham, he's going to be Sheriff of Rottingham. Thing is that Mel Brooks added all these things and then slowly, because of the scary movie movies, those kind of added this whole thing of we're going to make fun of five, six horror films in one film. Yeah. What do you feel about the scary movie movies?
1: Well, uh, from one to four, I really actually enjoyed them. Thought they were funny. Some jokes, eh, here and there. Uh, Scary movie one... uh, I actually really liked, possibly one of my most favorite, uh, most favorite spoof movies, okay. uh, parody movies. Um, from the second one onwards, they started uh, to parody like advertisements, and not uh, <laughs> only targeting horror movies. Some other things which I didn't really like, but I thought it was still funny. Um, but yeah, from one to four, I honestly really enjoyed them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, wait, didn't we watch part four or something together, right? Recently, yeah, like, yeah, we did. Yeah. I, so yeah, the thing with me is I grew up on those movies. I actually grew up with the uh, Scary. Now, okay, like, I may have been too young to watch these, but I was like around 10 when I watched the first, uh, one of the first Scary movies. I think part two, it used to come on TV. And this was when TV wasn't as censored as it is today. Like, you say ass on TV now and it's censored. Both in the Uh, subtitles as well as like, you know, the voice. But yeah, I really like the scary movies and I appreciate what they did. But again, as you said, yeah, they sometimes go a little too far out of reach for many of the viewers when making fun of things. They bring in some ad reference, some TV show reference, then a movie reference. That was one thing though with scary movie one and two, in particular one, they kept it focused, they're like, we're going to make fun of Scream. Uh, we're going to make fun of... Damn, I can't think of the others. Can you think of... No, not really. Oh, oh uh, I know, I know. Um, okay, so obviously it's mainly Scream. It was also that other one. Uh, the found footage thing. The first found footage one. Don't know what you mean. Blair Witch. The Blair Witch Project. Okay. Yeah, the Blair Witch Project. It made fun of the Blair Witch Project. Also, okay, fine, they, they kind of made fun of, and this is a spoiler, but they kind of made fun of the usual suspects. Do you remember the ending of it? No. Where that, uh, so basically the character of Dewey, the, there's a character in Scream called Dewey, so they uh, named they named his character's carry movie Goofy. Or Goofy. Doofy, 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 sorry, Doofy. And uh, Doofy at the end, like he's an idiot, Like he's an absolute idiot throughout the film. Like He's like a schoolboy idiot who clearly has some mental disability that was never diagnosed. But at the... Uh, at, uh, 2021, I don't think I can laugh at that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But woke and whatnot. But whatever, it was like really funny. And at the end of the movie, they suddenly introduce the fact that he is actually the killer. He was actually one of the killers, the main killers behind the whole thing. And he slowly goes from walking like a weird cop... To suddenly a sophisticated guy and like he has a cool face, he lights a cigarette and he jumps into his car and leaves. That is a reference to The Usual Suspects, which is an amazing movie for those of you who haven't checked it out, The Usual Suspects, amazing. And so, so that was one point where they broke their theme. It was supposed to be just horrors, but they went with a Usual Suspects kind of twist, which worked because it kind of concluded the story. They use it at the end, just like how Usual Suspects did, and it worked there, but anytime any of the other movies did it, like like sometimes like a, a disaster artist or an epic movie, date movie, would also use these kind of weird twists where someone is revealed to be someone else. It would be a stupid, unnecessary reference. Not at the end of the movie, but in the middle. I don't want like in this one, no, in Meet the Spartans, Carmen Electra's character. She's supposed to be Linnaeus' wife and stuff. And they try to give her some stupid story as well to give her some importance because she's Carmen Electra. <laughs> and she suddenly reveals that she is Spider-Man. Right. She's suddenly... Right? You remember that? Yeah. And she's venomized Spider-Man. <laughs> she's, you know, that black Spider-Man or whatever. Which, like, why? It makes no sense. It doesn't help the story in any way. You're just trying to make a reference to another movie. Right? Yeah. So I'm just realizing we're talking about like this stuff, right? So basically we're criticizing films. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're criticizing films. But uh, yeah, so basically, uh, okay, going back to my point is, okay, you said parody films are too harsh on. Yeah. I feel that it is really the films that have come out that is sorely giving the critics like a proper reason to criticize them so that we don't get any more. Of those kinds of movies. As it is, the parody genre is is kind of dying. It is. Only TV is kind of giving it a little life. I'm noticing a few shows... Like, okay, sketch comedies. They parody things all the time. But they know when to stop. And especially the format, it is SNL or a Studio C. uh, They have a key and peel. Key and peel is another great one. They have these small slots. Three to four minute sketches. And they make fun of a film and all. So those types of parodies are still there. But movies aren't there, and it's mainly because of the critics, the way they're bashing them. Also, see, I'm also very much... Okay, not very much, but I am on the side of film critics should exist, because there are times where they the, their reviews have come out before people go and watch the movie. And it is a rightfully terrible movie that they give some 8% or 9% to, to let the film studios know that we don't want this crap. For example... Uh, Fantastic Four, the 2015 one. The reviews came out before people went to see it and stuff, and people were wary. And then, obviously, the movie came out, we saw it, and it was... Have you seen the 2015 one?
1: Yes, I have.
0: Do you like it at all? Well, do you remember? And I, uh, no, I do remember, but
1: I thought it was okay, honestly. Uh, but, oh. yeah, it wasn't too good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Okay, fine. Like everyone's opinions matter here and then and totally respect your opinion and stuff. But uh, you know, slowly so critics okay, I'm gonna say something that langer rehan here for sure, but um I'll lead up to it. Hold on. <laughs> but yeah, critics I like the fact that they they do sometimes taper off bad movies and bad content that people, you know, shouldn't sometimes exploit exploitative content that films shouldn't be making sometimes or have an agenda that Shouldn't be the reason. The reason to make films is to entertain people. Not to educate. Not really to edu- educate. You put in some themes there, put in some real stories there, sure. But it's not to educate, it's to entertain. And when a film fails to entertain, or a franchise fails to entertain, I'm happy when the critics step up and they kind of, you know, speak against it. So, I'm waiting for them to bash Adam Sandler movies enough. You're dead. For Okay, there we go. <laughs> For him to stop making his stuff. No, no. Okay. So, okay. So this is where I uh, fall into another thing. Um, So, do you say, th- okay. Uh, have you noticed any instance where critics' opinions have ever steered? Or fil- uh, okay. Critics' or audience's opinions on a film about to come out or that has come out that has changed the studio's ideas of the next film. Like, oh, we got to fix this.
1: Yeah, like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, many uh-huh. people really did not like the absolutely awful design which they made and I can agree on th- uh with the audience on that. I was happy when uh they decided to change it and actually listen to the audience, which is good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a big Oh yeah, this was in uh, 20... no, When when did Sonic release? Uh 2019. I think. But 2020? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was one of the last films to, to release before the pandemic. Yes. It, okay. Yeah, yeah. It released in Jan of Feb 2020. But the trailer came out in 2019. Yeah. And yeah, I remember the look of Sonic. They <laughs> gave him solid white uh, schoolboy teeth. And they gave him... They gave him a face that looked like a boy, even though that wasn't... Like, he's not supposed to look like some kind of humanoid. I mean, some kind of, you know, strange boy mutant kind of thing. He's supposed to look like Sonic. Yeah. Which I totally understood everyone's concerns. Like, you got to fix this because first of all, we care about this character. And okay, also like another reason why I I do check reviews, you know, or films and stuff is because whenever I get excited for the next video game adaptation to be released... I, I don't like to immediately go and pay money for it because many times video game movies are just terrible. They don't know how to adapt them to films. So I read the reviews to just and I don't see I don't go directly to Rotten Tomatoes and I check just the consensus. As I said, I have a major issue with that. But I read the individual reviews at times, if there's anything at all practical about the reviews. Otherwise I go straight to Chris Stuckman.
1: Okay, of yeah, course.
0: So and Chris hey, Chris liked Sonic the Hedgehog. He thought uh, it was good. He thought Jim Carrey made a comeback to his zany self.
1: Okay, I can agree on
0: Chris Tuckman on that. Yeah, (laughs) on on that. Yeah, Rehan really doesn't... uh, I don't think you watch Chris Tuckman anyways that that often, but you also don't like Chris's opinions too much. I despise him. You despise him. Wow, okay. Didn't think you'd say that. But (laughs) yeah, 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 I also have some certain critics that I despise for sure. But... uh, Yeah. So, so basically I go into films mainly, I mean, I, I go, I go into films knowing someone's opinions already. Sometimes I take a friend's opinion, someone who I trust on films. So, you know, that said, I don't take Rehan's opinions because he and I differ quite a bit. Ah, so sorry. But I forgot he's, he's two feet away from me. Um, (laughs) But I take my brother's opinions. He and I have a, a very similar taste and stuff. So I take his opinions and I sometimes take Chris Tuckman's. I don't look at anyone else. Because after a point, I realize, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, they compile a bunch of reviews. So it's, it's just not, it, do, it just doesn't make sense. It's not logical to read one line that describes a hundred plus reviews. Right? And especially movies that have uh, released. Okay, I'll just give you two examples of movies that have gotten bad reviews. And I have no idea why, because I thought they were great. At least personally, my taste, like, they're amazing. And they're both made by the same director. Okay. First one is a film that came out in 2018 called Vice with Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Have you seen that by any chance? No. So see, I'll tell you right now. Okay, that movie is not for everyone. And it's extremely experimental. But one thing it does is it constantly tries to be different. It constantly tries to deviate from the regular biopic formula. You know? And it actually... Okay, I'll just tell you one weird-ass scene in the movie. where So Dick Cheney is supposed to be this monster of a person very like they, they it's the film's a satire. Okay. Okay. So it's not praising Dick Cheney in any way. It's really showing the stuff that he did and what his mindset could be like. Okay. So they show him as this cold hearted humorless man who always has this kind of stone faced kind of look stern look. Okay. So much so that at one point he's walking to his office and it's a slow motion scene. And then suddenly like he falls flat on his belly. Okay. And then he just... And then he just kind of, like, sits up. And then someone comes to him and is like, Sir, are you alright? And he's like, I'm having a heart attack. (laughs) Just very, like, you know. I'm having a heart attack. Take me to the hospital, you idiot. He says it like that. And just, like, regular way. He doesn't, like... (gasps) Or anything like that, you know. So, the movie is absurd in that sense. And it even has a scene where... So, okay. So, there's a... uh, Dick Cheney has a daughter who is gay. And... She, so there's a scene where she comes out to him and his wife and he says, don't worry, sweetie, I'm all right with it. And even though he wasn't because he was running uh, for president or something at the time. So, he, so because he supported a certain set of rules, he can't. Uh, yeah, exactly. So he's against gay marriage and gay rights and everything. But his daughter is gay. So he said, don't worry, sweetie. I'm never going to let anything get between you and me. And my love to support you. Oof. And then it goes into this montage. Okay, it goes into this montage where he and his family and all are like having a picnic and his, and his uh, daughter has, his go- has her girlfriend with her and Safa and they show them kiss and something. And you know, it's like basically, oh, he's accepted her and everything. Then it comes up like, you know, at the end of some movies, they give you like some text Dick Cheney lived such and such years or whatever it is. So he yeah. says that, So it says like Dick Cheney left politics in favor of his family. Dick is now the spokesperson for men's fitness in America, <laughs> even though he's this fat ass who has had like three heart attacks. Mm. Okay. And Dick and his wife and his family live happily ever after. And then the credits roll. Yeah, I'm oh. serious. The credits roll. They show Christian Bale as Dick Cheney and blah, blah, blah. And it goes on for like 10 seconds until suddenly it stops and then it goes back to reality.
1: That's weird. That's weird. So, wait, is it like a comedy?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. The movie balances comedy and drama to such a degree, even though it's talking about a lot of dark stuff. 9-11, uh, the Iraq war, the invasion you know, of Iraq and everything. It talks mm-hmm. about that. But it's in this very humorous way. Like there's this scene. Also, I'll just give you another example because uh, this movie was very divisive when it came out. It has some sixty-two percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Even though I would give it ninety-five, no joke. It's amazing. You should check it out sometime, by the way. But so there's this the other scene where he and some other policymakers, Dick and some other policymakers, are in this restaurant, and this is right before the invasion of Iraq. Okay. So the whole scene is set up to kind of explain their mindset as to why they allowed for that to happen. Dick Cheney was the vice president, and though he was the vice president, he mainly acted like the president. Actually, he was given a lot of leeway. So he's in this restaurant with some two other, two or three other co-workers of his, and the menu is given, okay, to them. And uh, for some reason, the waiter is Alfred Molina. Okay, don't ask why. He was, he's the waiter. And he offers them options. And he says, okay, you can order the lovely uh, invasion of Iraq. And like this, yeah, it comes with a wonderful side of a ton of money. And and zero responsibility because you pass it to the president, which is George W. Bush. Okay. And then and then one of the policymakers is like, that sounds good. A little sauce on <laughs> the side, that sounds good. Like, it's so absurd. It's so absurd and goes on for five minutes. Them ordering a war. (laughs) It's basically them ordering for a war, ordering for the troops to go in. You know, it's a kind of another thing, but it's a kind of metaphor for that. But it's absurd. Okay, it's really weird. So that movie made a bunch of very risky choices, which I thought they pulled off, but it got 62% in Rotten Tomatoes. And then when I saw the individual reviews for it, many people actually said something nice about it, but it was kept as a rotten review. You know, like the uh the signs, right? For like on rotten tomatoes, uh, a fresh tomato is the symbol for like a good review. Then a green leaf is the review for rotten. Is the is the symbol for rotten. So all of them like there was a bunch that were rotten, but many times like Christian Bale shines in this movie and it's and it's like some uh two and a half out of four. And actually speaking, two and a half out of four is a positive review. You know? Yeah. If you think about it, it's positive, right? That's more than 50%. But it's negative. They've taken it as negative, which lowers the overall rating. That's that's my, you know, that's a huge issue I have with Rotten Tomatoes. So, okay, so, you, you know, uh, I'll be honest, like I'm reading from a book right now. So my issues with it is like lopsided scores, barely descriptive consensuses. Uh, I can't say about okay, A ba- barely descriptive consensus on a film or television. Even individual review extracts are only there to sound smart and witty. Not to actually comment on the pros and cons of a movie. Like I said, the forget about it thing with Gotti. Right. You know? So, I like, those are my issues with it. And um, I still trust, like, Chris Stuckman, you know? But, I, okay, I want you to tell me something. When you've gone, like, I know you watch, like, a lot of movies, like, in theater and stuff, right? Uh, do you take any of your friends opinions on it or do you give opinions to your friends and tell them not to watch this or to watch it?
1: I do give opinions to my friends usually sometimes so that they don't uh, go ahead and ruin it with uh, Chris Stuckman or any other reviews. Uh, For example, like Rotten Tomatoes, okay? For example, Annabelle Comes Home, it got an 82% and the movie was horrible. It was just not good and another, another James Wan film. I think the Nun. It did. It got below average, a thirty percent or a twenty-nine percent. And well, I actually thought it was okay, even though the uh, Nun. Yeah, the Nun. Okay. Uh, I thought it was okay, even though many people would disagree on it. Um, but I actually checked the reviews after I finished watching the movie. And you know, if I had checked it before, uh-huh. you know,
0: you may not have seen it. I mean, like if you checked it before, you may may have already gone into the film with the mindset that yes, I'm gonna expect a bad movie. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. So uh, that's a good that's a good uh, observation there actually. Yeah. So the thing is that with me, right? I I'm sure I've missed a lot of good movies. Like you have recommended certain movies, like you like um. Recently, you mentioned one movie to me. I forgot what. It was some comedy or something that you said is great. Or oh, okay. You said the Hangover movies as a whole like were really good.
1: No, I didn't say that. You didn't say that? I, I did not you... say that.
0: Okay, fine. fine. fine, fine hangover
1: fine. 1 was good. Hangover 2 was okay.
0: Hangover 3 was bad. Oh, okay. You said Hangover 3 was bad. Oh, I thought you liked it. Okay, my mistake. I forgot yes. about that. I don't want to misquote you here. Good. Rehan thinks all the Hangover movies are amazing.
1: <laughs> Funny.
0: Yeah, I'm hilarious. I know that. I don't need you to tell me. <laughs> Dreams are nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. So so basically, yeah, I, I know for a fact that I've missed a lot of good movies because I've also come to the realization over the past year that there are, again, through through movies like Vice and another one w- recently was Don't Look Up, which actually a lot of people are saying are really good. Like I mean, a lot of people saying is really good. Don't Look Up. And I've seen some individual reviews... Um, Screen Junkies, one of the uh, one of the guys from Screen Junkies, he also has his own channel, and he reviewed Don't Look Up, and he said it was great. He said it was one of his favorite films of the year, and he gave this kind of reason: it was subversive, it was experimental, and it worked. But it has 54% on Rotten Tomatoes, and because of that, you know, a lot of people see a lot of people still do rely on critics' opinions a lot, and because of that, they don't discover movies like that. And for me, I've I've missed a lot of movies like that, but because I know it's the direct, I know the director, the Adam McKay, and I know he does not make a bad movie. Like he, at the most, he, I mean, at the very least, he makes a very compelling film that may be kind of lopsided in terms of whether it is a comedy or drama. That's just generally what he does from the big shot. You know, the big shot. Yeah. That movie is a, is it's based on a real, you know, real event, real tragedy. The, um, stock market crash, I think, uh, in 2008 in the US, but it's a comedy, you know, it's, it's actually dealing some really horrible things. A lot of people lost their jobs, like some serious, uh, you know, issues financially and all that stuff. But it's just, it couldn't be more of a different way to tell the story. That's what I appreciate about him. And I know the director. That's why I, that's why I watched Don't Look Up. And I really liked it. So, there are many other movies that I've missed that, as you said, you know, like, you know, you should go into a movie without seeing the reviews first because sometimes it can turn you off. Yes. So, personally, I feel like I still support, like, again, like, you know, I'll say this again, I support Chris Tuckman and stuff and even Jeremy Johns to a certain, de- certain degree. But uh, Advit and I have this tradition where we choose some random movie that we know nothing of, but... We make sure it has good reviews and then we watch it, you know, but I don't know if that actually spoils the whole thing because it has really good reviews. We're like, oh, we're going to see a damn good movie, even though we don't know anything about it, but we know the opinions of people. So does that kind of change our mindset when we go into it? I was thinking about that the other day, you know,
1: mm, it kind of does. In yeah, my opinion
0: in your opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you also, but. At times, I've realized also to detach myself. Even though I check reviews, I detach myself from the reviews that I read when I go and watch the film. For example, uh, there was a film that he and I watched called um, Dragged Across Concrete. Okay, it's this really grim, brutal movie. Uh, okay, you know the movie Bone Tomahawk?
1: I've heard of it, but it's, I do not know. It's, it's a strange it.
0: kind of Western horror film, okay? I think you might enjoy it. You should see it. It's it's really gruesome. And that was a great film that actually started off our tradition, Bone Tomahawk. So we followed that di- director and he did some two other movies after that. And one of them was Dragged Across Concrete. That had 80% or 78% or something. I had fluctuated. 78% Rotten Tomatoes. So I was like, oh man, this is going to be a really good movie. I watched it and that was the first time. And I realized like, huh, I- I'll- I'd give this 50%. You know, and I was actually wondering why the critics gave it such, you know, high score. And, you know, then I started to read the individual reviews and whatnot, you know, I said about that. So, I, yeah, so nowadays I'm kind of making it uh, my objective to not directly criticize a film. Like earlier I used to criticize, like, for example, there was this film that came out called Kabir Singh. Hindi film, you heard of it? Nope. Well, I'm in Mumbai, so we hear about this kind of stuff all the <laughs> time, you know. So, uh, Kabir Singh, highly controversial film. And another issue I have with certain film critics, especially in India, they will praise the heck out of the actor because they kind of have to. If they criticize an actor, especially in Bollywood, they criticize an actor, those critics are on the verge of losing their job. Because, really, because people who read their reviews, they're like, oh, how can you diss Shahid Kapoor? he always is an amazing person oh i'm not bo- go, go to hell i'm not going to read your reviews anymore so they have to praise the lead actor of the film but they say everything else is trash and they're like how can this filmmaker make such a it's a very okay so it's a very toxic film it's a very uh, misogynistic film really puts down women and kind of praises this uh, abuser The lead character's kabir singh and he's this alcoholic piece of shit okay and it praises him but they're like, how can the director do this? It's a terrible movie because the director chose to, you know, do this thing. I'm giving it 0 out of 5. But, and I've I've seen, okay, reviewers like Rajiv Masand, there are these two, uh, Anupama Chopra. Yeah, there's two reviewers, Anupama Chopra and Sucharita Tyagi. They gave Kabir Singh very bad reviews. And so they didn't say a thing, a thing about the direction, whether the director was good. The direction of the film was good. And apparently it was well-directed because that guy is a skilled director. They didn't speak about the cinematography. The cinematography was good. They didn't speak about the uh, music. Music was good. But they spoke about the actor, praised him. They didn't at all question whether, like, why is the actor doing this movie? Why are we questioning the director and all? Maybe the director, like, has no... Many times, Indian directors, they don't have much pull, you know? So so they get a film, and they're like, okay, I have to make this. Otherwise, I don't get any other project. Shahid Kapoor is one of India's biggest actors, one of Bollywood's biggest actors. He's given a bunch of things, and he chose to do this movie. Why aren't they questioning his choice to do this movie? Hmm. You know? That's where I, I don't appreciate Indian film critics, Because they don't actually focus on certain things. Because they know, they probably know, I'm going to get a lot of backlash if I actually point out the real issues with something. Yeah,
1: that takes out the whole point of a review.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the fact is that they're lying and it takes out a whole point of the thing. I mean, if you're going to praise this actor but then criticize every other person for making this film... Like, you know, please acknowledge that this actor chose this, right? Fine, they may have given a great performance... But say, like, I wish this actor hadn't also done this film because it is a very toxic film. So that was something, that's one thing I noticed with Indian film critics. uh, Which is another reason why I I, I feel, you know, like, sometimes the critics' reviews are lopsided. But I still generally like to, I generally like to go in with some kind of expectation. That I'm not going to waste my time. I've seen the first Transformers movie and nothing else. And I'm proud that I haven't spent a single rupee on any other. Yeah. (laughs) Have you seen the Transformers movies?
1: Yes, I have.
0: Yeah. Uh, Advit told me of a time where you were in, uh, I think, Delhi or something. And you went to see Part 4 with Mark Wahlberg.
1: And that's where I died.
0: That's where he died. I'm speaking to Rehan's ghost, by the way, in case you don't know. (laughs) For the past six, seven years, he visits us at our farmhouse. Yeah. Hi, guys. Yeah. And then he goes away, and he preaches why Adam Sandler is the greatest human being alive. No, okay, okay. Um, can you quickly give an example of? Okay, maybe it can be an Adam Sandler movie also. I love that. I do like Adam Sandler a lot. It's just that I do feel a lot of his movies are uh, garbage. But can you can you give an opinion of like some movie that you really like? Another movie? Yeah, actually,
1: Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Oh. Uh, even though, yeah, okay, it got a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, Um, uh, people didn't really like it, audience didn't really like it, not the critics uh, itself, because also I typically don't like to see the critics' opinions of the movies and the audience, which I think is uh, more, uh, it fits In- more, yeah. It
0: fits more, more important, like, yeah.
1: Uh, what was it terminator judgment
0: day i think the second part are you talking about yeah. like the 90s one this is like the the very acclaimed one the really good one
1: no no it was a really bad one
0: uh terminator dark fate that was the last one that came out uh that had good reviews that actually had like yes, 70 plus percent are you talking about that one or are you talking about like the one before that the one before that the one before that yeah oh, okay so i continue are oh, you finished yeah i'm done <laughs> okay sorry no okay so so basically you dislike that movie a lot yes ha huh, okay look so roughly how much do you dislike it like if you were to give like a percentage or a rating or something
1: minus 100 million i guess yeah Ha.
0: Huh, okay you just say zero that's fine <laughs> okay fine <laughs> okay so you really dislike the film yes i really do so like if i were to just say hey rehan can can we watch this movie Terminator genesis would you agree no. To watch it again, no?
1: I would pull out a shotgun.
0: If I paid you 2,000 bucks?
1: Okay, maybe. Half of the movie, I would.
0: Oh, jeez, only half? Yes. Okay, so you really hate it? Yes. Okay. So yeah, I know the reviews for it and it wasn't as bad as as you, you know, I mean, as you hate the film. It had some 40 or 50% of Rotten Tomatoes, which actually is kind of average. And you say it's terrible. And, and I do uh, know friends who also hate that movie a lot. So I do... Okay, so so basically you're, you're saying like you do trust audiences a little bit more. But at times even audiences get it wrong.
1: At times audiences get it wrong. But I say mostly correct. Critics hmm. are the one who get it wrong. Mostly sometimes correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But you know. Yeah.
0: But generally you trust your own opinion and you just go and do a film. Yes. Right? Yeah. You giving The Nun actually is a, is a great example. I haven't seen The Nun, so I can't speak. But I do know that The Nun got terrible reviews. Yeah. And uh, now that you're saying that you d- do like it, I might just go check it out. I don't know. Great. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, okay, just to cap off the episode, because I think we'd, we've been going on for like almost an hour now. I know you're a very, uh, what do you say, director-oriented person. Like you know your, you know your stuff when it comes to writers. Yeah, Directors yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah. So I will still trust my... Michael Stuckman, even though apparently he's giving up reviewing films, which he is. He is. Well, yeah, I know you're gonna say "Hallelujah" or something like <laughs> that. Yeah. No, he's he's becoming a director now, like a Saul. He's got a really? deal, he's got a deal with a production house. Okay, good for him. Yeah, good for him because that was his goal for the past ten years. Something was to make a film, so he's got to do that, and he's gonna be busy now. Damn it, but <laughs> but yeah, so. I, yeah, I just wanted to know, you know, generally, like, these are the issues with film criticism. Like, I, I'll just give one quick example. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Do you know how much it has, like, critics, critically? Uh, What, 82%? Yeah, this, this is a rare case, okay? This is a rare instance where, yeah, it has 90%. 90%. It, it grew. It grew over time. 90%. You know what the audience is like?
1: No. 45%. Jeez, okay.
0: And it's very rare when when this happens. You always see like a bad uh, critics rating, but the audience rating is like 80 plus or 90%, you know? But you don't see it like this, where the critics are so high, but the audience is so low. And that was when actually uh, Last Jedi, I severely disagreed with the audiences because I really liked The Last Jedi. Uh, I don't know about you. Yeah,
1: I, I actually quite liked it also. Right?
0: Do yeah. you like it more or less than Rise of Skywalker?
1: Rise of Skywalker is the newest one, right? Yeah. Okay, then it would be more. More? More. Much more.
0: Yeah. So that that was the thing. Uh, With Rise of Skywalker, it got 57 or 60% or something around tomatoes. And I would give it 30% because it's nothing but a, a, a fan feast, bringing back old characters for no use. Agreed. They brought back Lando Calrissian. You know what he does? he makes witty remarks and he fake flies a a, a spaceship that is it. <laughs> and it's it's and you can make out that that actor could not do much yeah so whatever so yeah that's where i stand on on film critics i still i have a select few that i go on earlier it used to be roger ebert who uh, actually made this whole film critic industry quite profitable and quite big he was one of the first ever film critics one of the first ever, uh, sorry, one of the first ever televised film critics. He he had a show and stuff on TV for like a decade and people would watch it. So, Roger Ebert and Chris Stuckman are the only ones that I follow. Uh, for you, you follow your own opinion? Yes. Okay, I think we've covered the topic. That's I, I've been wanting to speak to you in particular about film criticism for a while. Even though we, we were bringing up certain things we had spoken about earlier, Rehan and I, this conversation, I think we went a lot deeper. We went, true. Yeah, we went a lot deeper. And uh, Rehan, I just want to thank you for uh, coming. Very welcome.
1: Very welcome. Yeah, because it was I know fun. It, it was
0: fun. Yes, like legitimately. Like I'm not yes. gonna shut this off, and then you're gonna say it. Like, shut up! Shut up! <laughs> you <laughs> you <laughs> <push this> up.
1: <laughs> yeah, legitimately though.
0: Nice. Good. Legitimately. Okay. Nice. Legitimately. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So now, uh, you want to say any closing words or anything? Or shall we just like... Yes,
1: Adam Sandler is the greatest. Watch his movies. Thank you.
0: I think we'll just close on that then. (laughs) Thank you for watching. Follow me on Instagram, Aria underscore guy. And stay tuned for more Maximum Gain episodes coming your way every Friday. Thanks for watching. And as always... Sorry, thanks for listening. I always say thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And as always, I hope you stay happy and I hope you stay safe.